You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Church. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Let's jump in. Uh, we're in a series entitled um, The Gospel Effect. A couple, I think I have one more on this. I've checked my schedule and see, but maybe one or more. We'll start a new series at the end of July um, <clears throat> as everybody goes back to school and things like that. But today, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about this, the gospel effect. And this series is all about individuals that were in the Gospels. That the impact of the message of Jesus, what did it do to their lives and how did it change the course of their life or other people's lives because of the preaching of the gospel or Jesus just himself being present in, in their midst. So th- this one's going to be a little interesting. I'm going to tell you today, I'm going to forewarn you right now. This one will be a little interesting. And um, uh, so just out, shoot it right out of the gate. Madman up Gadara is who we're going to talk about. If you are bothered by spiritual conversations about uh demons you might want to just like hang on to your seatbelt a little bit okay i don't want to freak you out all right but i want to preface it right now so you have time to understand and know okay right now that i don't know why it is though that we feel um about these kind of subjects that well you know that's taboo that's old school that's like back then as if it weren't possible to see that today um, I think all you need to really do is just look, look around your neighborhood, your country, your culture, and it's obvious something is affecting people. People don't do the things that they do without something. I mean, if you go back just 65 to 70 years, yes, there were some people that showed up and, and shot a bunch of people at a, at a school. Yes, you'll find a few examples of that. You don't find near the crazy weirdo stuff 65, 70 years ago that you find now. You go back 200 years ago, yes, there were things that went on, and yes, there were ungodly things, and yes, there were awful things. Make no mistake about that. And I've said before, and I'll say it again, it doesn't mean that because you see that now, it means that this generation has no hope. I don't believe that whatsoever. Uh, when it's the darkness, the light shines the brightest. So I don't think that at all. But I will say to you, um, in our nation, it just seems like we have decided that we're going to be more open to this than we once were. How about that? Right. Um, so I went, I think I mentioned this to you before, but my kids love to read. And so, uh, we go to, well, they go to Barnes and Noble. I'm like the Uber driver. Okay. They, that's what I am now. I feel like I'm in black. Even I should just get, I should just sign up, man. And uh, make a, pick up a few of you folks on the way to where I go and make a couple of bucks. I don't know. But anyway, um, they love to go to Barnes and Noble anywhere like that, that has lots of books they love to read. And, and if you've not been, um, I'm not telling you to go just to examine this. Don't take much time with it other than just to see what I'm talking about. Go through Barnes Noble and just stroll through the middle of the aisle. <clears throat> it won't take long to find this if you're the least bit aware spiritually whatsoever. I mean, if, you, if you're a spiritual dunce, then I guess, you know, you could probably not see this. But you, if you have the least bit of spiritual depth in your life whatsoever, you'll see this. It, it's obvious, and it should cause you to go, What? But there's a whole shelf, it's probably uh, maybe 15 feet wide, 6 feet tall, maybe a little taller, and it's filled with books on not just the historical background of mysticism or New Age thinking or witchcraft or whatever. These are actual books with incantations built in them that teach people how to cast spells and how to engage the occult. When I was a kid, I'm sorry, but when I was a kid, I, we had Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that. And then people told us, like, listen, brother, 
Little man, do you know what you're messing with? Oh, it's a game. But when they told me there are demons in that game, I'm sorry, that freaked me out. I was like, I'm not playing that anymore. Like, I'm out. Even the cartoon that came on TV, I quit watching it. I was like, man, I'm not messing with that. That's weird stuff. Now, it's almost like this intriguing thing. It's like, oh, we're enamored by it. We're intrigued by it. And so, therefore, culture is saying, hey, look, let's hear books about it. And there's actual people who, <laughs> crazy enough, they think, well, they can, but they think that by doing this, they feel more strength and engagement with this side than they do with the side of the Lord. And I find it interesting that Christians have such a hard time with spiritual matters when it comes to the Holy Spirit, the power of God in the Holy Spirit, and what the Holy Spirit will do and can do, but yet they are so open to what the devil can do. They question everything when it comes to, like, the filling of the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit, anything, praying in tongues, anything, all that. That's a, but you will sit and engage with this other side as if it, oh, no, I totally get that. It's so fast how people, even Christians, can comprehend and say, oh, no, I can see how that would, yeah, I, I believe that's true. But when you talk about the Holy Spirit, oh, no, that's just weird stuff. It's interesting. Don't you find it interesting? Why, and it, did you think it might be the trap of the devil to say, question everything of God to the point where you don't engage with the Lord at all, spiritually? Except what is comfortable. But this over here, you know, it's unexplainable. But boy, they were at the house. They told me this, my friend. They was at their house and their cabinetry opened up and closed by itself. Well, so what? Yeah, but. But you bring them up a, a, a moment with the Holy... You say, man, there is a ministry of the word of knowledge in which you can reveal something from God to someone to, to help them. And they say, oh, that's done away with. Interesting. Don't you find that interesting? Like, oh, oh no, healing, that's old school. That's done away with. That's back in the only in the apostles. That, the apostles did that. People who pray in the spirit, oh, no, that's done away with. That's old school stuff. That was not, never happens again. Never, ever, ever. I mean, that's fine if your persuasion is that. But I'm just saying, why is that so easily to negate? But we'll believe in cabinetry opening and closing. No, they said they saw a figure. And they believe it. And they're so convinced by it, the more they talk to you about it, the more you're convinced. Well, man, I mean, it must be because, you know, she don't lie. Well, maybe she wasn't, like, all there that night. Maybe she was sleepwalking. Just saying. And if it was so, why would you want to engage with it? I mean, I just don't understand that. But this is a different time than it was when I was a kid. When they mentioned the occult when we were kids, it was like, whoo, I don't want any of that. Because that's weird. Now it's almost like, oh, well, let's talk about it. Let's, let's, let's go read these books and cast spells on people. And um, I'm just, you know, I got a little time. Um, I, you know, my whole background of some of this stuff, I, I, you know, it's weird. To me, like, when people told me that kind of stuff, I was like, you know. I kind of want to back away from it. I didn't know for sure, but I just thought, you know, there's Monopoly, there's Scrabble, and then there's, I don't have to play Dungeons and Dragons, you know, like, there's other stuff I can play, you know. So I just said, forget that one, right? Um, but I have been on the other side of this where, as, even as a pastor, I have had people, like uh, pastor friends of mine who would go to prayer meetings, and there would be individuals there praying against me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. In the name of the Lord. No, they devils is what they are. There is no way a Christian, you don't pray against another Christian. That's, you're engaging witchcraft. I hate to say it, but that's what it is. There's nowhere in the Bible you'll see where God says, go pray against another believer. 
and make them change. You don't pray against anybody. You pray for them. Well, I was just praying for them. No, you was gossiping. That's what that was. Masked under prayer. I mean, I've actually had them show up here before. Previous people, so filled with demons, show up here before and bring portraits of previous leaders and say, if we don't put it up in this church, God's going to hurt the church. You know what I did with it? I threw it in the trash can. It's probably a $400 oil painting. I didn't care. Put it right in the trash can where it belongs. You know why? Because I will not be moved by somebody who threatens me with spiritual matters. That's ridiculous. But these people think they're smart and they're not. They're foolish. That's what the Bible calls people that walk around. They think they know a lot, but they don't know anything. Always meddling other people's business. Busybodies getting around with other stuff they don't have any business messing with. Ever thinking they're smarter, but foolish in the more in their thinking. Because they engage in this kind of stuff. Amen. So um, I say that because this guy, I'm going to read to you. I want you to understand his background a little bit. This guy's not a believer. He didn't come from the Jewish culture. He is from a Gentile background. Why is that important? Because he comes from a pagan background. He didn't know any better. Now, he should have, but he didn't. Now, all of us in this room, I'm just going to throw this out to you. You live in a culture where you probably know better. I think most of us say, we know better. Don't mess with this stuff. But there are, in some cases, where some people may not know, so I'm taking it with a little bit of, okay, maybe you don't, but I'm going to give you some help today, hopefully, why you shouldn't get engaged with this stuff, and you can see the, the downfall of it, okay? But the guy in the three or four different names of this, I call it Gadara, it's the easiest one to pronounce, Gadara, the Gadarenes, Gennesaret, all these different, like, names or Giras, I can't even pronounce the one, the Gerasenes, there's three or four different ones, I just call it Gadara, that's the one that... I remember hearing in school, man, man of Gadara. If you don't like the word, I'm sorry, it's politically incorrect. That's what he was. He, he, he was out of his mind. Okay, so Luke 8, 26. Let's read this story, and then we'll talk a little bit about it, okay? So don't freak out. It'll be okay. Don't freak out. Understand before we read any further, if you are Christ, you have power and authority that exceeds anything of the work of the enemy. Demons fear the name of Jesus. If you use it, but if you, you know, piddle-paddle around with it and act like it's some little thing, then, no, they're not scared of you at all. But uh, I'm not worried about them. But I just want to make sure that I, you know, share this part. I want you to see the impact of this. But Luke 8, 26 says, Then they sailed to the country of the Gennesaret, or, or, or sorry, the Gerasenes, Gadara is what I call it, which is opposite of Galilee. So I have a map. I want to show you where this is in case you have looked at anything about Israel so you can understand the trip that Jesus made. So I'll put this uh, on the screen for you here, this little map, so you can see it. He's my little trusty laser. Thank you, Joy Palmer. So cool. This is the whole region here. There is what the Sea of Galilee is called a number of different things. Sea of Galilee, Sea of Tiberias, uh, Gennesaret. It, it has multiple names. It's whatever side of the, you know, to see that you're on, that's the one you named it your thing. You know what I mean? So anyway, um, so this is the region here. Capernaum, where all the miracles took place, where Jesus lived many, uh, much of the days. Peter's mother-in-law, Peter's there, other people there. Uh, this is the place where you see the centurion whose servant was healed. He built the synagogue. This is all here. Massive amounts of miracles took place in this region. This place, Gergesa, I can't pronounce it. That's Gadara. It's the region. Here's Gadara down here. But it's all considered similar contextual place, okay? It's, when you read your Bible, if you say, well, that says this and it didn't say that. And I, please don't listen to these weirdos out there who try to make so many mountains out of nothing. We were talking about a civilization over 2,000 years ago that we were reading about 
we're probably off a little bit with our map and our geographical things, okay? But for the most part, when they pen these Gospels, they're referring to this region, and they're not confused, okay? If we're off a little bit, this is not a great big swath of land. Like, you can get across Israel in half a day, if that. It's not that big. So, all right, so anyway, I just say that because, and here's this side right here. So Jesus, they leave Capernaum. They crow across the sea. This is where the storm took place. They're all freaking out, thinking they're going to die. Jesus is asleep at the stern of the boat, it says. And they get over to the, remember he says, we're going to the other side. That's what they were doing. So they're there, stuck in the storm. All this stuff, this miracle just took place. He saves them. They go to the other side. They're on this area here. This is the land where this man is. It's the land of the Gentiles, if you will. There's not, there may have been some Jewish settlement there, some, some maybe mixed cultures, if you will. There is, are, there, believe me, there are no kosher living individuals here from the Jewish background, okay? 100%. And you can see that as you read further why. Anyway, so it says, as soon as they docked the boat, when he came out onto the land, he was met by a man from the city who was possessed with demons. Now, I say that because possessed, um, you may have heard different things. I want to make sure this is clear before I go any further. So you hear all I hear today, this would be the most important. People ask, can Christians like be possessed by the devil? Um, I, I don't think so. I think that when you read this, this man was from a Gentile background, an unbeliever, who possession, yes, because he had nothing in his house. If you're a believer and you have the Holy Spirit, I'm sorry, um, there's no possible way that a demon can overtake the Holy Spirit. Can you be oppressed? Oh, yeah. Do y'all see the difference, though? Because that freaks people out. Am I possessed? You're not. But listen, honey, I'm going to tell you, he'll come and oppress you till you're down on your knees. And you better know that. Well, it's just something I ate. No, it's not. <laughs> I mean, I just don't know why I feel this way. I'm going to tell you why. You know, you, you ever get to a point where this is the con, like number one con of the enemy. You fell short. You made a mistake. So you don't want to read your Bible now because I feel shame. That is oppression straight from the enemy's playbook. The Holy Spirit would say, run to your Bible. Because that's where you're going to find freedom and life in Jesus again. But he'll say to you, no, you're too stained now. No, you're not. You don't think God already knew how jacked up you were? He bought you when he saw you in your mess and said, you know, that is going to be a pain in my rear. But I'm going to take him anyway because I promised him I would by my word. He already knows how we are. Don't run from God. Run to God. This guy, though, was possessed. He was not a believer. He didn't have the Holy Spirit, okay? I just want to make sure that was clear. So he's there, and this is obvious. I mean, real serious possession here. He has had no, no clothes on for a long time. He's naked as a wee baby. You know what I'm saying? He's like, he wasn't living in a house, but in the tomb. So he was with dead people or dead things. And seeing Jesus, he cried out uh, and fell before him. And said in a loud voice, what business do we have with each other, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he commanded, Jesus already, he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For it had seized him many times, and he was bound with chains and shackles and kept under guard. And yet he would break his bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Now, I just want to say something right now. I work with officers some, and they will tell you stories of individuals who are like this tall. Well, maybe this tall. Okay. Little bitty things. No muscle mass whatsoever, and it takes three of them to hold them down. And you say, well, they're on drugs. Okay, uh, drugs open the door to the demonic. 
whatever you want to call it, chicken or egg, which one come first? Well, it don't matter. I mean, God, obviously, the chicken came first. But the reality is, um, in case you were wondering, <laughs> chicken came first. <laughs> it did. <laughs> anyway, so I thought, just, sometimes, you know, anyway, try to make this as loud as we can. All right, so anyway, uh, this guy... It's so to the point, though, the demon has such strength, it's overpowering other individuals. And Jesus finally asked him, what's your name? And he said, Legion. For many demons had entered into him. So now Jesus knows why. He said, come out of him. He wouldn't. Well, he knows why. It's not, he's not dealing with just one. He's dealing with a whole mass of them. So a little more direct things that need to be done. He knows what he's doing. This is Jesus. You might think, well, why is he having a conversation with him? Let me just say this to you. You don't need to have conversations with these things. You cast them out, be done with it. You don't entertain. You don't need to ask names. You don't need to know any etymology or whatever else behind this stuff. There's no need in it. Use the name of Jesus. Be done with it. If it doesn't work, then this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Get to pray and get to fasting. But you don't need to have long, deep figuring out about this stuff. Use the name of Jesus. Be done with it. Jesus asked the question because here's why. Um, he was, before the foundations of the world, was he was. He knew who this was. You've got to understand, these jokers fell from, it, depending on your theoretical background on this, I'll tell you mine, and I think I'm right. You can do what you want to with it. I don't really care. But fallen angels from heaven, I believe, are the demonic spirits that you see. Amen. I don't think it's just some weird thing that just came about. A third of them fell from heaven. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Boom! To the ground. Well, he wasn't the only one that fell. A third of all of them fell to the ground. The good news is two-thirds are still around. To the good. So it's two-to-one ratio right now. You're completely, that's why I like to say, uh, there's more of them with us than there are. In, <laughs> believe me, open his eyes, Lord, let him see. There's more with us, far more flanking us than there are out there. All right, so don't worry about it. But the reality is why is Jesus engaging him is because, you understand, he knew him before. God, he's no, Jesus knows what he's doing. You and I, we uh, just use his name. We're not trying to figure out who these things are. We don't need to know. All right, so he says, though, they were imploring Jesus not to command them to go away into the abyss. I just want to say this as well. For all the people you hear out there talk about hell and how cool it is. This, man, when I bust hell wide open, I'm going to have a party. No, they're not. If it was so fun, why are the demons saying, don't cast us into the abyss? If it's such a good time. You see how foolish these things are that people say? But they say it because they're trying to be cool. And I just want you to understand, if they're basing their belief on hell and they think it's real, then they have to understand there's demons. They have to understand there's a God, right? If it's so cool, then why are the demons not wanting to go? Understand, look what they pick over the abyss. It says then, <clears throat> there were as a herd, many swine, pigs, feeding there on the mountain. That's why you know it's Gentile culture, okay? There's no Jewish people. Herding pigs. Jewish people would herd sheep. That kosher lifestyle, they were not permitted to mess with pigs. Either they're in great rebellion or this is a Gentile driven land, which I believe it was. All right, so anyway, there's a herd of pigs over there um, on the mountain feeding, and the demons implored him to permit them, watch this, to permit them to enter the swine. And so Jesus gives them permission. And the demons came out of the man, they entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into a lake and was drowned. And when the herd, watch this, now here's the crazy thing. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they ran away and reported it in the city and out in the country. And the people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus. And they, they see Jesus, and then they see the man. And they find the man from whom the demons had gone out. Now watch the difference. He's sitting at the feet of Jesus, number one. 
He knows from where his help comes from. He has clothes on. God bless him. Right? I mean, give the man some dignity, you know? All of a sudden, don't you find it interesting that all of a sudden he realizes his need for clothing? Like only other place in the Bible where you see they did not need, they did not see or need the feel the need for clothing was Adam and Eve before the fall because the glory of God covered them. But once the sin had happened, what was the first thing they went after? Clothing. Well, they hid, but they went after clothing. And just to show you how sin affects our decision making, they chose fig leaves. Terrible <laughs> choice for clothing. If you've ever picked figs, that is brutal. I bet they were thinking to themselves, "What have we done?" Like. I mean, it had to be terrible. Anyway, he's clothed, he's sitting at the feet of Jesus, and he's in his right mind. Now, of all of this, you would think, let's thank God. You know what they said? They, they, they were frightened. They were frightened because he was made whole. You can say the word frightened means some other things. I understand that. Maybe, okay, maybe you want to call it um, they were revered, or maybe they were in such reverence, or maybe they were in such um, awe. Okay, fine, whatever. I don't think that's the right context because when you read this, it says they were frightened, and it says those who had seen it reported them how the man who was demon-possessed had been made well, and all the people of the country of the Gerasenes and the surrounding district asked Jesus to leave them, for they were gripped with great fear, and he got in the boat and left. I will talk a little bit more about this in a minute, but I just find that very odd. And it shows you the parallel of people. How much will accept the other side? But when God shows up, it's like, well, you know, don't get too religious on me now. Well, you've been going to that church a little too much, aren't you? It's crazy. But, but you, but, but I, but you can be strung out on drugs or all kind of terrible relationships, messed up everything, your family's going to the toilet, and everybody's cool with that. The moment you step over into the light too much, well now, you know, you won't be one of them fanaticals, are you? But I was over here in such a, a pit, and you didn't care. But the moment I stepped into the light, all of a sudden that's a problem. Is that not crazy? Is it possible, I'm going to talk about it now, I, I was going to talk about it later, but is it not possible that maybe they're so good and uh, accepted with the chains that this madman had on him because they put them on, they're cool with the chains because maybe they got their own chains. And as long as he's not exposed, I'm not exposed, but the moment he got free, I got a choice to make. Either I'm going to be free or am I going to stay in my bondage? And I think they chose the bondage. And so here's this guy. They're gripped with fear. They ask Jesus to leave. But the man from whom the demons had gone out was begging him that he might accompany him. But he sent him away saying, watch this, return to your house and describe what great things God has done for you. So he went away and became a missionary in that region and reached people for Jesus. And watch this, without a Bible. You know, you don't have to have deep, great knowledge of God. If all you got is a testimony, that'll do. Uh, yeah, right, you know? I mean, I might not be able to explain to you everything about this, right? This, as the blind man was, uh, I was once blind, but now I see. That's all I need to know. Yeah, but can't you explain to me the, no, I can't explain all that to you. But I can tell you this much, once I was bound, but now I am free. Now, I can tell you about that all day long. But I'm just saying, it seems like people aren't so excited about that. They're, they're okay with us as long as we stay in our pit, 
as long as we stay in our chains, as long as we're in the stocks. But the moment you take a step out of that, it's like crabs in a bucket. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Hey, no, 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 no. You can't be different. We don't want you to be different. We want you to be like us. Because if you're like us, then we don't have to be different. So a couple of thoughts on this I want to just share with you and just, just kind of some interesting thoughts from this. Is number one, uh, there was permission that needed to be given. This may seem odd, but I am going to try to explain this as quickly as possible and as, um, without going into great depths. Permission must be given. I'm going to tell you something right now. People have this idea that God can just do anything he wants to do. Not true. If God could do anything he wanted to do, he'd save everybody right now. Permission must be given. God didn't make you get saved. He asked you. But you chose. I chose. Permission has to be given. And someone who's possessed or oppressed, I'm just telling you, it, it is a gradual thing that does happen. But just like a, a disciple takes time to become, this kind of mess here this guy got into didn't start where he was at. He didn't start with chains and fetters. He opened the door to something, and before long, he liked it. And before long, it had him, and he didn't even know it. But it started because he opened the door to stuff. Permission was given, and then more and more control uh, was given up over time. Jesus said this in verse 31. You can go back and read it later. But it, they were imploring him, the demons, don't, don't put us into the abyss. Don't send us to hell, Jesus. Uh, send us into the pigs instead. And Jesus granted the permission. You may think that's odd, but I will tell you something about Jesus and about Scripture and when you read God, about the Lord. Um, I don't have time to get this in depth, but I'm trying to just make this as quick as possible. You... God sent Jesus into this world under the basis of an authority that was already established. He's called, the, if you will, the second Adam. And for a reason. Adam was given the authority first. He was called to subdue and, and rule the world. And he failed miserably at it. Just to be honest. And so would we. If you had been in his shoes, we would have done the same thing. We would have all fallen. Okay? Jesus came as the second Adam to restore what Adam lost. But don't make any mistake about it. There's evil in this world, and you have to realize that. And don't engage with it. Don't open up doors to stuff. And if they needed permission to enter to the swine, which is weird, why they chose pigs? I mean, you know, all the things you get a pig. Why not fish? I don't know why. It just shows you, you know, they're all, anyway. Then that tells me something else about permission. If they needed permission to go into pigs, they also need permission to come into something else. They can't just show up at your doorstep and engage and enter your home. They need permission. And if you don't give them permission, guess what? They don't do. They don't come in. Like, we don't give permission in our house. You pull up on our property, people come over and they say, oh, it's so peaceful here. Let me tell you why. Because you pull up on our property, if you had something with you, it's not coming on my land. How do you know that? Because that's what we own. We're an authority there. And whatever someone might have, I pray over our land. Not on my land. Mm-mm. You mean you can do that? Yeah. Yeah, you can. We've prayer walked our whole farm. I mean, I have people prayer work our farm. They, they walked all around the whole property praying. We prayed over everything. We had stuff come back to life. Things, dead trees that came back to life. I thought they was gone. I thought, huh, didn't even pray for that. And that came back. That's pretty cool. 
I mean, literally, there was a grapevine. I mean, y'all heard me tell this story before. There was a grapevine down at the bottom. My grandfather had planted, brought it from uh, LaGrange, I think, from my great-grandmother's place. This thing died. It was dead. Guys, when I tell you it was dead, it was dead. Ants had got into it. It was rotten. It was gone. We had people, they had been praying, and it was by the next season. Here comes a little, I noticed a little bitty, a little shoot off of it. Huh. Wow. Now I'll take care of it. You know, I'll throw some fertilizer on it. Kind of like Jesus, dig around it kind of thing, put some fertilizer. For long, it starts growing up into a sprout, to a vine. Now it's got, it's a grapevine. Man, I'm like, oh, wow, this is so cool. It didn't die after all. Then this thing not only just does that, I dig it up. I move it to another part of the property where it continues to grow. Now it's a full-size grapevine. But not only that, another one came up. I dug it up and took it over there too. I got three out of a dead vine. You don't think God, like you might think, oh, that's just, see, what I'm saying is this. Why is that so difficult to accept that God could do something like that for me? But, oh, their cabinet cabinet covers was opening and closing. Ooh. I'll just tell you what, boy, I'll tell you, that's something else. And I'm sitting there telling you about something God did for us, but, like, well, I mean, you know, it could have just been the, you know, maybe got plenty of rain. Why are we so shallow when it comes to believing things for God, but yet we'll accept cupboards moving? It's, a, it's an odd thing to me. But, number one, you've got to have permission this guy at some point gave permission for the enemy to come into his life. He did. And which led to further and further things. So anyway, there's also the second thing I want you to hear about this. It is this thing about place. This guy, when you think about this in verse 34, when this herdsman saw what had happened, remember, you got to get permission first. The devil cannot take a place in your home, around your family, anything else, unless you give permission. But if you give permission, he gets some ground. And I can show you two from Scripture, all right? But, but real quick. They went out to see what happened. Verse 34, they went out to see what happened. They found the man whom the demons were gone out. They're sitting down at the feet of Jesus, clothed in his right mind. They became afraid. And those who had seen it reported to them how the man who was demon-possessed had been made well. And all the people of the country... And the surrounding area asked him to leave, for they were gripped with great fear. So he got in the boat and returned. Again, they were okay with him being in bondage. But the moment he got free, they didn't like it. This happened in numerous places. I don't have time to read this, but make a, make a note of this. Acts 16, verse 16 through 21. Go back and read it some. But this is where uh, Paul is out preaching, and one of the owners of a little slave girl was possessed. And she was going around going, these are men from the Most High God's innocent way of salvation. These are the men of the Most High. Just being their little herald, I guess you'd say. Finally, Paul had had enough. He looks around. Why he didn't do it the first time, I don't know. Maybe it goes back to permission. Maybe the first couple of times she was saying it, maybe she was still part of this whole process. But the closer she got to the light, maybe she started going from, these are the Most High to maybe he could hear a change in her voice of, please help me. I don't want to be like this anymore. Please help me. But nonetheless, Paul turns around and says, come out of you, Jesus' name. And all of a sudden, she's made free. But verse 19 says this, but when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and put them in jail. Now here's a little girl bound up in all kind of demonic things, she gets set free. And what they do to the people who prayed for her? 
Put him in jail. Beat him. Why? Because we can't make any money off this little girl anymore. How twisted is that? Which goes back to my previous thought. Is it possible then the reason why people don't want you to change is because they're satisfied with their own bondage? And if you get free of something, then guess what? Now they've got to deal with their own issues. These jokers are peddling a little girl. A little girl. And they were okay with it. To the point. And the people in the culture accepted their, those two men's arrest. How messed up can you be in the head before you look at that and say, that has to be demonic? And our culture and society today, I will tell you this much, uh, has some really jacked up views on these very things right now. There is a group of people who accept some of this and say, well, you know, it it would be okay. It's just just demonic, it's all it is. And people think I'm mean because I say that, but I'm not being mean, I'm being real. I don't know what happened to the point where we thought certain things were acceptable and, and, and we're being mean by calling it out. Peddling a little girl, why, how is that acceptable? It, what, what people would think that was okay? you got some in your nation who think it's okay. Thank God many have been arrested, but anyway. Anyway, this enemy and these demons, they only have the permission to take the ground that we give them, right? Now, that's both unbelievers and believers. Let me read you a couple of thoughts on this from God. Um, as long as Israel, and this is in Leviticus, as long as Israel followed God and did what he said. I'm not talking about mistakes, guys. We, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody falls short. But as long as they stayed away from the idol worship and the things of that, they were fine. But the moment they went down that road, it created chaos for them. <clears throat> Leviticus 19 says, Do not turn to mediums or spiritists. Do not seek them out or be defiled by them. I'm the Lord your God. Leviticus 20, verse 6 says, As for the person who turns to mediums and to spiritists to play the harlot, means, if you read Hosea, it means that the, the, to play the harlot means you left the thing that was true and faithful and, and you went for something that's a fraud. You left the thing you were committed to, you went to something that's a fraud. He says, To play the harlot after them, I will also set my face against that person. I'll cut him off from among his people. Now, if you read the story of Hezekiah, great leader, great leader. But it goes to show you this. Don't think for one minute just because you have a, uh, an heir that they automatically get what you have and it will be transferred. Because Hezekiah has a son. His son is in 2 Kings. I'm going to read this to you real quick. My name Manasseh. 2 Kings verse, uh, chapter 21, verse 1. I'll read this to you and then we'll uh, wrap up with his thoughts. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king. And he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. Um, if you remember Solomon and his son, very similar thing happened. Um, Solomon's son was warned by older individuals around him, don't push the people they have been pushed. You remember? And he wouldn't do it. He said, I will, I will, I will. And I'm going to listen to them. He pushed people so hard. And they rejected him. Because he wouldn't listen. It, it, just because there's wisdom, David, Solomon, then you get it. Just because there was wisdom at the trunk of the tree doesn't mean the branch is going to always bear the same fruit. You have to make sure this stuff is given to your, to your family. Anyway, it says that he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was whatever. We'll call her <laughs> Sister Girl. I don't know. I mean, I'm not even going to try. Verse 2, though, watch this. This is the crazy part. This is what I mean. Mistakes, please understand me. Mistakes, we all fall short. That's not what I'm talking about. 
This brother did evil in the sight of God. That means unrepentant, I'm going down this road because I want to. It went from now, oh man, I fell short, to no, I'm deciding to open this up for this. Y'all get the difference, right? Okay. He did evil in the sight of the Lord according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord dispossessed before the sons of Israel. In other words, he did what they were doing, what God drove them out because of their sin and idol worship and, and crazy stuff. God destroyed those people. And now this joker is doing the same thing that, what? It's like the dog in Proverbs returns to their own vomit. Why? What, why? Can't you find some new Alpo? Why would you go back to that? It just makes no sense. So he rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah's father destroyed. Those high places are these. He erected the altars for Baal and made an Asherah pole, as King Ahab did of Israel. Now, brother, if you're in the same category of King Ahab, Jezebel's husband, you're not in good company. Y'all understand what I'm saying? That's a bad joker to be your uh, mentor. Anyway, he worshiped all the host of heaven and served them. That's not God. That's idol worship. And he built altars, plural. How many know in, in the Lord's temple, there's only one altar? He built altars. In the house of the Lord, which the Lord had said, in Jerusalem I'll put my name. For he built altars, plural, for all the host of heaven. That's not God. That's not referring to the Lord here. He did it in the two courts of the house of the Lord. (laughs) He's getting in it big, isn't he? Verse 6, and he made his son. Now, do you see where he started over here? Now we're going to get to where it's gone so far now it's affected his own family. He's going to do what God rejected Israel the most over. When they got to this point, game over. He made his son pass through the fire. The worship of Molech was to put your kid through the fire to see if he made it through it. And I don't know, most never did. And you might think that's awful, but what would be more, what would be worse than that? Might be to survive it and have to live in what was coming next. At least that's why Jesus says, I think that, you know, he infers this anyway, that heaven is filled with children. Heaven is literally filled with babies, kids that have grown up. Maybe their life was cut short, I don't know, but with some, for what, who knows why. But heaven is filled with children. And numerous of them came through this. But what's worse, a short life or to have to grow up in idol worship and, and not even know what or why you're in? Nonetheless, he practiced witchcraft. He used divination. He dealt with mediums and spiritists. He did so much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. And then he set the carved image of Asherah that he had made, he himself made, in the house of which the Lord said to David and to his son Solomon, in this house and in Jerusalem, which I've chosen from all the tribes of Israel, I'll put my name forever, and I'll not make the feet of Israel wander any more from the land which I gave their fathers, if only they will observe to do according to all that I've commanded them, and according to all the law that my servant Moses commanded them. But they did not listen. And Manasseh, Watch this word. I don't know if it says the same as mine. Yeah, seduced. Seduced. You know, I've often, often thought if the enemy had a big, you know, fire-burning red chariot outside with pitchforks and demons out there and with open doors saying, hey, come on. I want to go for a ride. Like, you know, I think most of us go like, no, man, uh, I'm out. No, 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 no. The word seduction is completely opposite of what I just described. Seduction is, it comes in the form of an angel of light. Um, if possible, he would even deceive the very elect of God. He seduces. 
He is not this bright red thing with horns and all. He is a seductor, if that's a word. Anyway, uh, he seduces them to do evil. Watch this. More than the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the sons of Israel. You read that and think, how does Hezekiah, a great leader, a great king, have a son who cannot understand the, the blessing of God to that point that he goes that far? Again, I'm talking about we all fall short, we all make mistakes. This is a full-on rejection. But I'm going to tell you how it happened. Manasseh gave a little place, and they said, well, it's okay, nothing happened. So he gives another place. I mean, it's not a big deal, little psychic Susie down there on shorter, you know, whatever. Whatever she's got down there, you know, you've seen a little thing, right? A couple of them, little palms on the thing. A bunch of devils live there, man. Oh, how could you say that about her? She's demonic. Why, why can't I say that? I, I have a hard time with Christianity right now with this area of love. You love so much, you can't even call sin, sin anymore. She has a devil. She's down on shorter avenue. She has demons in that building. Yes, I said it. Yes, I said it. Don't care. Now, why am I saying that? Because too many people in our culture think, well, you know, it's cute. Let's, let's just go in there and get a little palm ring. No, it's so fun. And you have no idea what you just brought into your life. Now, I'm not saying any of you guys do that. But you have friends that you talk to. And I'm just saying... If they won't listen, and they're your little buddy, and they're saying, oh, we're getting our little palms red. And you're going like, well, you know, I mean, be a good friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend better than the kisses of an enemy. I'd rather lose a friend and tell them the truth than give them kisses of flattery that they don't learn anything from. Tell them the truth. Don't mess with them devils. Anyway, don't give a place to the enemy. Don't give them an opportunity or in Ephesians 4.27, Paul actually says, give no place to the devil. Um, if you want to go and read in Genesis 4, the whole thing with Cain, sin is crouching at your door. It wants to master you, but you can control it. God told Cain. But he didn't listen. He killed his brother. Over an offering. That makes no sense. But when the enemy's involved, things don't make sense. Anyway. Real quick about this whole thing of permission in place, okay? In James, he says this to us. I, I wanna, and I'm saying this because out of, I'm going to say this out of the greatest respect I can say this, and I want you to hear my heart. Please hear my heart of what I'm about to say. Um, when it comes to this person, permission has to be given. You don't need to give any place to the devil. But if, if you want a person to help, People can't just engage with anything without permission. If you don't ask for help, I can't just show up and do stuff. And you say, well, you should just know, really? I should? How would I know? Well, if you prayed, you'd know. That's ridiculous. That's called spiritual witchcraft and manipulation. That's ridiculous. I'm not going to listen to that. Well, you ought to love them. I don't care. That, that's manipulation too. It's silly. It's just, it's gone far enough. So anyway, you cannot expect someone to know 
all the time what's going on if you don't ask for it. Well, why wouldn't God just show them? Okay, sometimes he does, but can I just give you the scriptural reference to this so you can actually see why I'm saying this? James 5 says this. If there anybody among you who is suffering, he needs to pray. Now, we all suffer at times, so what do you do? Pray. <laughs> pray, right? Well, I don't feel like it's working. God didn't say it's where He said pray. It will work. Just keep praying. Is anyone cheerful? He's to sing praises. That's what we just did a while ago, right? Now, now watch. I want you to hear. Watch this. Verse 14. Is there anyone among you sick? What is their responsibility to call? Now, they didn't have telephones back then. <laughs> okay, I, I don't understand the whole call thing, right? I don't know, maybe it's like it's in a letter. I don't know. But they sent for someone to call on the elders of the church. Who does this? The person who is afflicted. If they want prayer, you know, not everything you have to have prayer for. I get that. I understand that. But if it's big enough, you know, you want people to pray for you, got to call. That are pray over him. And don't, and don't say, I don't know the number. That's silly. Well, Christians have the biggest excuse I've ever heard in my life about things. Well, I don't know who to call. I mean, look, you can Google and find anything now. Come on. You can find out the, whatever, the mosquito trail of this to the back end of Europe that came over the trails and straits of Gibraltar, whatever, and y'all can find all that stuff. I just don't know what the number is, whatever. Anyway, I'm saying, I'm, I'm trying to be as respectful as I can. I really am. So anyway, what do they do? They come over, and then they're going to anoint with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer offering in faith will restore the one who's sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed any sins, they'll be forgiven him. That's a great thing. That is awesome. But you got to call. Therefore, watch this. This is separate. But therefore, confess your sins to one another. Well, I wouldn't want to say anything because I don't want anybody knowing about. But, eh. If you want to get free of stuff, if you want to let give up that place that the devil has a stronghold in, you're going to have to talk to somebody. Well, I talk to God. That's that's. Listen, don't mess with me and right now about this. I'm trying to help you, all right? You're watching on TV, I don't know, I can't tell if it's this way, this way, I don't know what. But don't make this where uh, it's not important. If God didn't want it to be important, he would have never said confess to one another. I have pastors in my life where I've had to share, yeah, I, I got this issue and I'm struggling right now. This is a, this is a difficult season right now. I'm dealing with this, 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 whatever. How, how if, it, you know, God put us together for a reason. He said, well, all I need is Jesus. I, that's not biblical. Oh, I can't believe you'd say that. Well, it's in the Bible. That's why I would say it. You need, yes, you need Jesus, but you need his body. The body of Christ. That's his idea, not mine. But anyway, confess your sins to one another. And then watch this, pray for one another. Why? So that you might be healed. This idea that, well, I just need me and Jesus, and that's enough, that's not right. You need one another. Because the effect of prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. I, I want to just say this, and, and I wrote this down, so I would say it as most respectful and nice as I can in the best way possible. It is a presumptuous thing to assume that spiritual leaders have permission to step into places uninvited. I'm going to say it again. It is a presumptuous thing to assume that spiritual leaders have permission to step into places uninvited. That's called thieves. 
Yeah. People who go places uninvited and just go into people's houses at night and no one knows they're there, that's not right. <laughs> you don't want me showing up at your house, knock on the door, like, hey, I just, you know, coming in, no announcement, no expectation or whatever. I mean, maybe some of you would, but I don't, you know, most of you, I don't think you would want that. Like, oh my Lord, here comes the preacher. Oh my gosh. No. <laughs> I can just hear it now, right? I mean, but in reality, from a spiritual perspective, we cannot go where we're not invited. It's a permission thing. Can't step into places uninvited, and we can't do anything without permission. And if as a member or a believer or a follower of Christ, whether it be a member of the church, a believer, it's presumptuous to assume that spiritual leaders can just do stuff. They can't. They cannot. If that's the case, Jesus went to his own hometown, and there he could do what? No mighty work. Except he laid his hands on a few sick folk because of their what? Unbelief. And they knew him. Oh, that's Joseph's boy, blah, 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 blah. They didn't believe in him. If Jesus could do no mighty work without people asking him for help, trust me. When I tell you this, we are most obviously not Jesus. We really can't, okay? I just want to say that before um, I close out today, all right? Now, the beauty of this story is this, though. Um, this young man who was delivered became a missionary, really, in the, Syria, in the region of Gadaria. And the cool thing in Matthew 28, I'm going to show you what we call the Great Commission, Matthew 28, okay? Mark writes about this, and, and now, see, I have to do this now. You may wonder why I stop and explain to me. Because I, you get kind of tired of this, to be honest with you, of people trying to trap you on everything you say. But I guess I feel like the need now, I have to over-explain it. You know, you think, people used to have this thing about this where we would just, oh, I know what they mean. Oh, I got what they said. I know what they're they didn't. They said James 5, they meant James 3, or whatever. You don't understand, right? We used to read stuff and understand, go like, oh, I know what he meant. He misspoke. I get it. Not now. Mercy, not now. I mean, it's, oh, 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 oh that's not what I'm about. Oh, it's not Gatorine. It's not Gatorine. You know, I got to explain it five different names. Somebody will freak out over it. You think I'm kidding? I'm not kidding. Mark, I was going to use Mark, but I can't use Mark because somebody get mad because I used Mark's writing of this. Mark writes this, that the believer, these signs will follow them that believe. Um, they'll cast out demons. I can't use Mark because I understand it's an added, it's, it was added in later. I understand all that. I get it. But the inference of what Mark wrote, if you look at what he's talking about and then read Matthew's Gospels, which is why we have synoptic Gospels, you would see what he's talking about makes sense. You see demons being cast out in the Bible. You see people praying in tongues in the Bible. You see them, people who have drinking deadly things and they live in the Bible. You see someone who got bit by a snake. They didn't pick the thing up. <laughs> Trying to be cool. It was an accidental snake bite. It was easy to get that straight, right? Nobody in the Bible is going around going, let me show you my faith by drinking poison and watching snakes. No. <laughs> this brother right here, you will not find in any of those environments. I'm like Indiana Jones. I hate snakes, number one. I have to call my buddy Jason and say, is this a, can I kill this one or do I let it live? Hey, Jody, it's cool. It's a rat snake. Let him live. Okay. You sure? <laughs> like, I mean, you know, he, you know, so far he's never told me to kill one. So I kind of, either I got nothing but rat snakes on the farm or I don't know. He really don't want me to hurt him. Nonetheless, um, <laughs> I don't like snakes and I don't like weird stuff. Okay. So I don't drink weird things. I like Sealed, I don't drink bottles that have been opened for me. If you open me, I won't drink it. 
that's just weird. No, it's not weird. I'm not drinking anything that's been opened that I haven't cracked the top on. You go overseas enough times and get sick from that, you'll say, no, I need one that's sealed. Thank you very much. Anyway, um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, I don't like any of that stuff, all right? But in the Bible, these things happen and people live to tell the story. It wasn't to prove something. It was to say, if this happens, God's going to watch out for you. You're on a, it sounds like the Blues Brothers, you're on a mission from God, right? You know what I'm saying? This is going to be okay. Mark, and he gives this detail, but I get it. Okay, so let's take him out of the equation for a moment. Matthew 28, though, Jesus says, All authority and power has been given unto me in heaven and earth. <clears throat> Go, therefore, watch this, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. you got all three right there, the Trinity. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the earth. Jesus told his disciples to go out and cast out devils. We do know he said that. Okay? So, Mark infers it, or Matthew infers it, Mark says it, but nonetheless... You can't do anything for people if they don't ask for it. can't. And it is presumptuous to assume that people should know. They don't know. Confess your faults to one another that you might be healed. Um, let me just say this about authority real quick. And I'm going to pray for you. Um, you may have all authority that Jesus has given you as a believer. But I promise you. It will not work if people will not yield the moment to you or that place to you to pray for them. It's, true. it's a fact. It's odd, but it's a fact. I've prayed with people before, talked to people before. Here's the issue, black and white. There is no gray area. This is clear in Scripture, and they will not yield. And I'll tell you why. And here's the dangerous thing about it. I feel like many times it's because they're afraid if they yield to God, they're going to lose this group of friends over here. They're going to lose the relationships they have over here because if they go with God, all these people over here are cool with them being in bondage. So they, you know, you get what I'm saying? So, so if I leave that and I go with God, now I gotta, I'm going to lose out. Well, in Christianity, actually, if you lose, you actually gain. Jesus said, you know, if you want to gain, give up your life. If you want to be healed, confess your faults. Find somebody you can trust. Find a trustworthy person. Don't just tell anybody. Find somebody that you know is between us and God right now. And I need to, I need to talk about something. Don't get around people who's already told you three things from four other people. Don't, get that, don't listen to them. I mean, don't, don't tell them stuff. They're not going to be your friend, okay? Gosh, Pastor, you're kind of rough today. Well, I mean, you know, it's one of the days. Right? Yep, so. I love you enough to tell you the truth, man. I'm just, I, I just, I just, you know, I'm, I'm being cool. You may not know, but I'm really being very cool right now. I hadn't looked at my wife once. Because so. <laughs> I know she's probably like nervous as a, you know, I'll go. Like, oh, my gosh, what's he going to say next? I'm being very cool. I really am. If you knew what was in what I want to say, I'm toning it way down. Um, so anyway, you can have all the authority and the power in the world. You can have a key to the chain that unlocks. But if they won't yield and say, I want to be free, Jesus and all of his authority and power can't set them free. Not if they don't want to be. 
And some people, I hate to tell you this, do not want to be free. They like it. So that leads to you and I right now. Let's look at you and I for a moment then. The ending is the most wonderful thing about this story. Verse 38 says, But the man whom the demons had gone out was begging that he might go with Jesus. Jesus said no, because this guy's Gentile. Jesus is saying, he sent to the lost sheep of Israel. That was his mission. Paul came later to go to the Gentiles. Jesus knew what he was doing. He wasn't being rude. He was saying, no, go to your house and tell everybody about all the great things God did for you. So he left, he went away, and he preached the gospel to his friends. He was saying to every one of them, no more crabs in the bucket, boys. I got out, and you can get out too, if you want to. And he became a great, uh, if you will, missionary in this region. I think the greatest thing you and I could do this morning is this. is our testimony to people let them know what God has done for us. Let them know that God has been so good to us and what he brought me out of and what he brought us out of. He could do the same thing for you too. God would love it if every one of us became a testimony for our friends all in our community. If you share the stories of what God did for you with, with them today. And know this, that whom the sun sets free, listen to me right now, they are free indeed. You don't have to worry about going back to whatever he brought you out of. The devil may come out and try, he may tempt, he may, but I'm telling you right, if you're his, if you're a believer, he has no real control and authority over you. You have to be the one. You take authority, you take control, say, no, it's not happening. Get out of my life, my house, my family, in Jesus' name. That's all you got to do. And surround yourself with strong people to help you walk through that. So right now I want to pray for you, and if you're here today, specifically two things right now. I want to pray for you um, in this area. Because when you read about this guy, you know, you might think, oh my goodness, man, I wouldn't want to come down front and get prayed for today because, like, man, what would people think? And that's exactly what the enemy would want you to think. Well, what would people think? Who cares what people think? Why do we care what people think? I, I don't, if I need prayer, I'm going to get prayer. I mean, people pray for me all the time. I need prayer. Believe me. <laughs> Ask Kaylee. I, I need prayer. There's nothing wrong with it. And so don't feel ashamed for prayer. We're going to pray at the end, but I'm going to pray for you right now. I want you to close your eyes and, and bow your heads just for a moment. <clears throat> and if you're here right now, and this is an area where you may be thinking, man, I just don't know, Pastor Jody. Uh, I have a hard time with this kind of stuff. And I, I don't understand it, first of all, and I, I have a hard time with it. Um, but I do need prayer because I have some things in my life that I don't know how um, to move forward in. Well, your eyes closed, your, bow, your head's bowed just for a moment. I, I just want to really encourage you. You need to find a good, strong friend that you can trust, that you can confess your faults to and be healed. Um, but I'm going to pray for you right now. And if you're here and you say you have some things you want to let go and give to God, then we're going to do it right now together. Okay? But just like Jesus said, you know, when, you know, when a house is cleaned out, if you don't put anything in there after we pray, then the enemy's going to come back with seven more even worse than it was before. And it, 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 you need to make sure you get surrounded by people that can help you walk, um, walk in faith and walk out your Christianity. And don't just take today's prayer and say, I'm good. Like, make a change of course right now. So right in here where you are, if you're here and say, hey, <clears throat> that's you, I'm going to pray. I just want you to just be in a posture with the Lord right now of, of just receiving from God. Uh, dear Lord, I just come to you in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, that you've given all power and authority to your church. I thank you, Lord, that every Christian in this room, everyone watching by broadcast, has power and authority that's been given to them from you and from on high. I thank you, Lord, that first and foremost, the enemy has no authority in our lives. I thank you, Lord, that there is no 
uh, nothing that he has or can do that can, um, can control or have authority in our homes and in our lives as individuals in our family. I thank you right now, God, that as we're praying for pe- people in the room or watching on broadcast that have something they're struggling with, that you are here to meet a need today. You're here to remove that struggle, that, that issue in Jesus' name. And God, all we have to do is give it to you today. So Lord, in the name of Jesus right now, we say, Lord, we give you our struggle. We give you our, if it's guilt right now in Jesus' name, we give that to you. If it's shame, we give that to you in Jesus' name. Your precious blood is enough, not just to cover sin, but to eradicate sin in Jesus' name. So anything that's in the room that might be there that's not of you in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, for right now for speaking a word to people that they are forgiven and made whole in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, for helping us to understand our spiritual authority and helping us to grow in our walk with you, Lord. I thank you for testimonies in this room right now. People who have been set free by your word, by your power, and by your grace. I thank you, Lord, you give us the boldness to walk out and share our testimony with other individuals in our city and in our community in Jesus' name. Dear Lord, help us right now, Lord. If there's anybody in the room right now that is engaging or entertaining with giving a place or a moment or a spot to the enemy in Jesus' name today to shut the door. In Jesus' mighty name, be bold and just shut the door. Don't give him the foothold that he's trying to get. Don't listen to it. Don't engage it. Just shut the door. In the name of Jesus, help your people be bold today, Lord, to be strong in the Lord and in the power of your might. And I pray right now, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you today, I pray. We're going to pray a prayer of salvation right now, Lord. If there's anybody here or watching on broadcast that doesn't know you, we're going to pray. And everybody in this room is going to pray this out loud. You're not going to be by yourself. But if you're in here and you don't know Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer with us right now, out loud, together. The scriptures say, if a man believes in his heart, confesses with his mouth that Jesus is Lord, he shall be saved. It's as simple as that. So pray this with us right now. Say, dear Jesus... I come to you today and I give you my life and I give you my heart and I ask you Lord to save me to forgive me and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness I accept you as my Savior and my Lord in Jesus name drive out all of the work that the enemy has had against me and my family In Jesus' name, Lord, help me to be strong, to stand against him, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, 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 right? Church, give me a hand, would you, right now, if they pray that prayer. So proud of you. So proud of you right now. Man, so proud of you for praying that prayer. And so listen, what you can do right now is go to connect.cornerstonerome.com. And you can find um, a little form right there you can fill out for us. And we'll love to follow up with you and help you get started walking with God. I'm so proud of you. And I'm going to ask our prayer ministry team to come up down front now. They'll be down here. And listen, I, I want to say, um, these guys and gals who are up here are going to pray for you. Uh, they are wonderful people in our church. You can all stand right now if you don't mind. We're going to go out in, in just a second. I'm going to pray over you as we leave. But they're here, and I don't want you to think, well, man, I'd hate to go down front and get prayed for today after what he talked about. I just, you know, please don't think that. Like, I would get prayer if I needed prayer. 
you I've been in church enough to go, man, that guy just preached on something I had it has nothing to do with me whatsoever, but I need prayer for this. Well, mercy, don't leave without getting prayed for today. That's what they're here for. So you come out front anytime after we dismiss and they'd love to pray for you. Before we go and um, just want to remind you of your giving. Thank you so much for what you do. Just gave you some testimonies today of that from uh, summer camps that went on. Thank you so much for what you're doing in our church. And you can give online as well and uh, in the church as well in the offering boxes in the back. But it tells you all the stuff on the screen there on how you can do that. Thank you for being faithful in your, in your charitable giving to your church so that we can do what we do throughout uh, the city of Rome and around the world. And so let me speak though, this over you before you leave, leave in Numbers chapter 6 and verse 24. And uh, this is the blessing of Aaron. And I would just pray this over my life every day, but I'm going to speak this over you before you go. It says, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord <clears throat> make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may he give you his peace. God bless you guys so much. Have a great day. We'll see you next week. You're dismissed. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, feel free to pay it forward and share this podcast with someone else. Thanks for listening.